Good evening, Raleigh. It is 7.15 p.m. and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. I'm Jake Langlois. And I'm Daniel Jones and we thank you for tuning in. Uh, we had a little bit of difficulty, so we're off to a late start, so let's just jump straight into it. It's the end of July, which means that school looms on the horizon. This week, we decided to focus our attention on a couple of the many, many organizations here on campus, but more on that later. Also this week, we tell you where to look for work if you're currently unemployed, as well as some opinions on summer television and a review of a classic superhero film. In addition, DeAndre has compiled a list of the holidays we should be celebrating this week. But before we dive into all that, we have the lovely Katie Costa here to help us out with the weather. How's it looking, Katie? Well, Jake, today we saw temperatures climb into the upper 80s with partly cloudy skies. Tonight we have a 50% chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms, and an isolated severe storm will be possible, so be sure to stay tuned to your local weather station for any severe weather updates. Tomorrow we will be slightly warmer than we were today with a high of 90 degrees and partly sunny skies. And we do have a chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon and evening with a low of around 70 degrees. Now Thursday will be hot with mostly sunny skies and highs peaking into the mid-90s. So it is the perfect day to hit the pool. Overnight Thursday expect temperatures to dip down into the lower 70s with partly cloudy skies. Friday we will see temperatures climb into the mid-90s once again with mostly sunny skies, so be sure your A.C. is working because you will definitely need it. Expect a fairly mild evening on Friday with lows in the lower 70s. Now this weekend we will see mostly sunny skies and highs in the low 90s. We do have a slight chance of some pop-up storms, but an overall beautiful summer weekend, perfect weekend to make a trip to the lake. So, DeAndre, it looks like we will be seeing a 90s trend for the rest of this week and weekend. I don't know about you, but I'm definitely going to try and stay as cool as possible. Most definitely. Maybe get a little swimming in, too. But thanks a lot, Katie. Now we turn to Andrew for the latest in the news. Andrew? Thanks, DeAndre. The 30th Olympic Games are on in London. China leads the medal count with 13 gold, 6 silver, and 4 bronze for a total of 23, followed closely by the United States with 8 gold, 8 silver, and 6 bronze for a total of 22 and trailed by France with four gold, three silver, and two bronze for a total of 11. American swimmer Michael Phelps became the greatest Olympian of all time today after winning a record-breaking 19th medal in the men's 200-meter freestyle relay. Phelps now holds 15 gold, two silver, and two bronze medals from three Olympic Games. James Holmes, the man accused of killing 12 people and wounding 58 at a movie theater two weeks ago, was charged with 24 counts of first-degree murder and 116 counts of attempted first-degree murder. It was the worst mass shooting in U.S. history. And in much lighter news, rapper Snoop Dogg has changed his name to Snoop Lion and has declared himself to be Bob Marley reincarnated. He says he was born again during a visit to Jamaica and will be releasing a reggae album produced by Major Lazer and published by Vice Records this fall. And that's the news. <laughs> Snoop Lion, wow. Well, thanks to Andrew for that report. For our first report this week, Jake brings us a bit of information on the brand new university organization, the Division of Academic and Student Affairs. As students prepare to return to campus for the 2012 school year, they may find the organization of student services have changed a bit since last year. The Division of Academic and Student Affairs is a brand new organization committed to providing students with a resource that consolidates and integrates the different academic and non-academic aspects of campus life. The DASA, as it is acronymed, was launched on July 1st. This organization is a combination of the former Division of Student Affairs and the Divisions of Undergraduate Academic Programs. What this means is that this organization provides students with a place that can essentially address all manner of issues whether they be academics, such as graduating on time, or other programs that address other aspects of student life, such as art or athletics. The Division of Academic and Student Affairs is split into four subdivisions, and combined, these subdivisions cover just about every aspect of life on campus. 
Academic Programs and Services is a subdivision which gives students help with all things academic. This subdivision includes services such as academic advising, the first year college, undergraduate research, and the scholars program. Basically, anything pertaining to a student's academic career can be found in the Academic Programs and Services subdivision. The Campus Life subdivision is basically what it sounds like. It is a subdivision that addresses the needs on campus for students. Specifically, this subdivision is in charge of the University Housing Program and the Greek Life Programs here on campus. The last two subdivisions include Arts, NC State, and Student Development, Health, and Wellness Divisions. Between these four programs, students can essentially go to one organization on campus to address just about any need or concern they may have. Dr. Mike Mullen is the new Vice Chancellor and Dean of the Division. I reached out to him for comment, but the organization is so new, he doesn't even start until August 1st. This month-old organization already has the potential to streamline the student experience here on the Wolfpack campus. The offices of the Division of Academic and Student Affairs can be found in Holiday Hall near the Bell Tower. For On the Triangle, I'm Jake Langlois. The IRC plays an important role here on campus, facilitating cooperation in between the different residencies. DeAndre Jones went in search of what the IRC has planned for the upcoming school year. Wolfpack Welcome Week is rapidly approaching. Morale is high and freshmen are nervous. That is why Welcome Week exists, ultimately, to ease the fears of new students. However, it has grown into something that all members of the PAC family can enjoy. The Inter-Residence Council is one-third of the organizations that make Welcome Week possible, and I talked to the president of the organization, Wesley Lowe, recently to let you all know what is scheduled from August 8th to August 16th. Hey guys, this is DeAndre Jones, and I'm sitting here with the IRC president, that is the Inter-Residence Council president, Wesley Lowe, and we're going to talk about Wolfpack Welcome Week, seeing that school is starting up fairly soon. So, Wesley, to start off with, what is IRC's involvement in Wolfpack Welcome Week? To start off, um, the Inter-Residence Council, first off, is an organization within university housing that represents all residents living on campus. So that's about 7,800 students. You know, we advocate for student concerns. We put on programs to support the campus community. We're really there for residents. And so with move-in being on August 10th, you know, we love to make residents feel welcome when they first move in from August 10th to August 16th when the first day of classes is. So in between, we're really out there to make sure that residents are enjoying what NC State has to offer. And so we're out there, you know, literally almost every day, if not every other day, supporting programs. And so we'll be out there, you know, during Campus Crawl, WKNT, Concert on the Lawn, we'll be out there. But we also do have several events that we are hosting. And so the first one's Chilling and Growing, which will take place on Tucker and Owen Beach. And that date's actually August 14th in the afternoon. And all of us will be out there. We're going to be grilling some hamburgers and hot dogs. And this event's actually co-sponsored with the Interfraternity Council. And so there'll be Greek Life presence there and talking about their organization, what the two do for residential life. But our biggest event during Wolfpack Welcome Week is on Friday, August 17th, and that is the Silent Disco. And for the ones that don't know what Silent Disco is, um, each participant that comes in basically gets a wireless headphone. And we have two dueling DJs and 
on your headphone, you can switch between which DJ you want to listen to, and you're literally out there dancing, and the person standing next to you could be listening to totally something different. And so you have no idea, and you're just dancing, and you're doing your thing. And the good thing is, it's all silent. So you walk in there, you don't hear a thing, except for people singing out of tune, that is. But it's a great event, and, you know, if you don't know how to dance, or if you're a great dancer, you know, th- this event's for you. It's a really good way to end Welcome Week. I imagine it must look really interesting uh, walking into a room and seeing a whole bunch of people dancing to music that, that you can't hear. Exactly, you know, we'll have a lot of common things, you know, the train will somehow start up, you know, mysteriously, but it's just very unique, just walking through and just, you don't hear anything, you don't hear any music, but yet everyone is dancing. So are there any other events that we should know about when it comes to Wolfpack Welcome Week? Yeah, another event that we'll be doing, um, it'll be the second year, the Respect the Pack that's been put on traditionally starting last year, to allow students to paying the free expression tunnel to promote a proactive campaign, you know, on what should go on in the free expression tunnel. So we'll be out there. But something that people should look forward to is the Packapalooza. They'll end Welcome Week on Saturday, August 18th. We're going to block off Hillsborough Street, and we're going to have a big, you know, music festival. We'll have lots of organizations. We'll set up tables there. There'll be a lot of freebies. But we'll also have two stages, two performing arts stages, out there one will showcase as state talent and then the other one will bring in local talent and in the evening that's when carolina liar will take the stage so that's a very unique way we've never celebrated welcome week on hillsborough street so we're very glad that we have the opportunity to program on hillsborough street so that students can you know feel welcome you mentioned uh, carolina liar they're you know they're a fairly big band was it difficult getting them to come play yeah i think the whole concert series that students should be expecting this year is going to be pretty good, you know. Between the student organizations, we're aiming to bring in a variety of musical talent. So we'll have some country here. We're going to have some top 40. We're going to bring in a wide variety. And so expect another big one during homecoming. How would you say Wolfpack Welcome Week helps new students or incoming students become acclimated to the university? I think that students need to maintain a good balanced life in that they spend 50% of their time on academics and 50% of their time on social-wise. And so this is a good way that students can be free on their own schedule to learn, you know, how to adjust into the campus community. That, you know, we have all these welcoming activities going on, but you also have the time to explore where your classes are, you know, ride the wolf line um, around campus and find out, you know, how the bus schedule works. So there's that component in that you could explore your academics and you have the 50% social where you're out there with friends, meeting new people and eating the dining halls and, just, you know, having fun. I'm a part of IRC for anyone that didn't know. I am the Avent Ferry representative in IRC. And I know that IRC is definitely a good way to become active on the campus and also meet a lot of really cool people that can help you become a bigger part of this campus. So, Wesley, my question to you is, what other organizations do you think would be a good choice uh, for freshmen to check out to become involved at NC State? Yeah, since we're at such a large institution, there are so many smaller communities for students to find what best fits them. I think actually in May, there was roughly around 600 to 650 official student organizations through our student organization resource center that are currently active. So there's plenty to choose from. 
Um, so, I mean, there's going to be your smaller um, organizations and there are going to be your larger ones. So it really depends on what kind of scale you want and what you like to do on your interests. You know, if you like cooking, there's a cooking club. Um, if you like to play Quidditch, if you're a big fan of Harry Potter, you know, there's a Quidditch team also. Starting up, um, we have Dance Marathon that will take place in, sometime in the early spring. And so they're officially going to be a club and they're going to promote themselves um, throughout the whole year. So there's many to choose from. So I re- really recommend for anyone who's coming, who don't really know where to start, to start with the Student Organization Resource Center in Harrelson Hall and find out. Ask them what kind of clubs and organizations are out there and they could produce a list for you. So Wolfpack Welcome Week is definitely a really, really big event. Uh, I saw the huge banner outside of Witherspoon. Which event would you say that you are most excited to attend as a student at NC State? That's a very tough question there. I think the event, Wolfpack Welcome Week event, that I like the most would probably be Campus Crawl. Mainly because we have all these departments and organizations with tables. It's literally lined up on Kate's Avenue that go through campus, that go through the free expression tunnel, end up in the brickyard. It allows students to just, you know, walk with their friends this route and stop by all the tables or the tables that you wish to see and just learn more. And, you know, there's going to be tons of free stuff. It's just a good afternoon time to walk around and see what's out there to offer. So for those interested in joining IRC, what would be your words for them? Well, the sad thing is, the inner residence council is only open for those residents who live on campus. So it's a limited group there. However, the inner residence council is open to all residents. I will actually be sending out an email um, leading up to move in and during the week of welcome week and even the week after. So three emails in the month of August that will remind students which events we'll be at and to look out for information sessions in their specific residence halls. And IRC will actually have an information session. For those who want to join the Inner Residence Council, those information sessions is a good time to talk to people who are currently serving in the organization, talk to advisors, and gather input to you know do some research and see what the Inner Residence Council really does besides programming. I know, you know, we sat here and talked beforehand, you know, what's what's going to be new for this upcoming year. And so I think there's going to be a lot in store. And, you know, this organization is really out here for residents. We're going to do a strong push to recognize residents. The shirts that we're getting this year will have some 125th logos on it. And we're going to say keep calm and live on campus, hopefully, and follow that bandwagon there. So there's going to be a lot of surprises, and we're even going to bring back residents all week. Before we go, Wesley, what is a good place for students to go to to see the schedule for Welcome Week? So there are various methods um, to learn what's going on during Wolfpack Welcome Week. Um, when students actually move in, there's going to be a welcome bag um, on their bed. And inside, there's actually going to be a brochure with all the Welcome Week activities laid out. Online, you could go to the website ncse.edu slash Welcome Week. And then there's even an application. So for the ones who have a smartphone, you could download Guidebook and there's going to be an interactive schedule um, for students to make their own schedule on which events they want to attend. (laughs) And my method of choice is definitely the smartphone app. Uh, But that's all we've got for you guys today. Wesley, any last words? Feel free to contact the Inner Residence Council at any point during the year if you would like some help or want some support. 
Our email address is irc at ncsu.edu. And then you can also find us on social media. We're doing a big Twitter campaign. and We're trying to rack up some followers. We're trying to beat our counterpart over at UNC. And whoever gets the most followers by August 25th wins. So you can follow us at IOC underscore NCSU. And you just may get a prize um, in August. So follow us. Follow us, WKNC and IRC on Twitter. My name is DeAndre Jones, and this is I on the Triangle. Thank you. If you've ever seen the movies at the, at the cinema in Witherspoon or any of the concerts they put on throughout the year, then you are familiar with the Union Activities Board. Andrew was curious about what kind of activities they're lining up for this year. State's most popular student organizations, responsible for concerts, movie showings, and all those free red sunglasses. The UAB is currently preparing for Wolfpack Welcome Week, the seven-day festival celebrating the new school year. I spoke with Lauren Collier, the organization's president. She told me everything they have planned for the upcoming weeks. The UAB will be hosting a Hunger Games night at Witherspoon Cinema on move-in day, Friday, August 10th. The movie will show at 7, then bingo at 10, and then a repeat screening at 11.59. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part 2 will be screened at Harris Field at 9 p.m. on Saturday, August 11th. On Sunday, the UAB will host the late-night target run from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. Buses will depart from Morrill Drive bus stop near Carmichael Gym. On Monday, there will be the Big Three meet and greet from 6 to 10 p.m. on Harris Field and the diversity breakfast after dark at the nearby Fountain Dining Hall from 10 to midnight. On Thursday, the 16th, the BSB Back to School Jam will be hosted from 4 to 7 p.m. on Harris Field. And finally, Pagapalooza will occur Saturday, August 18th from 2 to 10 p.m. on Hillsborough Street. It will feature a day full of concerts to end Welcome Week this year. There will be three local bands, eight student organizations, and four main acts throughout the day. Liquid Pleasure, Mama's Love, Leela James, and the headliner Carolina Liar will be on the Bell Tower stage. UAB is also working with student government and WKNC in branding the Wolfstock Concert Series this year. They will publish a schedule of concerts throughout the fall and spring that they will either be putting on themselves or that other organizers are putting on and that students can attend. The next upcoming concert will be Pacow. The artists have not yet been announced, but the UAB tells me that students will be pleased with the artist selection. Interested in UAB? You can follow them on Twitter, like their Facebook page at Union Activity Boards at NC State, or sign up for their VIP listserv and get firsthand information about events, artists they are bringing, film sneaks, promos, and committee meetings. To get involved with UAB, all you need to do is find a committee that interests you. Come to the meetings and help plan and work events. There are no fees or membership dues in UAB. You can find them under the UAB tent at events throughout Welcome Week. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Andrew Eichen.
If you are currently out of work and you live in the Raleigh-Durham area, you are in luck. Keplinger Magazine recently named Durham as its second best city in the country to find a job. DeAndre has more. One of the biggest worries on a graduating senior's mind is finding a career. As it turns out, one of the best places to find a job is the Triangle's own city, Durham. Today, I called up Jane Clark, editor of Kiplinger Magazine, for her to tell us about the job potential of Triangle students. Look no further, seniors of the Wolfpack. Your job search should start here. First of all, for people who don't read Kiplinger Magazine, what would you describe it as? Well, it's a personal finance magazine. It covers investing, um, money management, and also some of the fun ways to spend your money. So it, it covers pretty much the territory. And what exactly was Durham named in your magazine? Durham was number two for uh, best cities for uh, mid-career professionals. We split our best cities feature into five categories this time, and one of the categories was professionals. We also wrote about young adults, families, second acts, and that's the people who are pre-retirement but looking for a place to live that might be a little bit of a, a change for them, and then retirees. Okay, so how many cities were in consideration for this? We considered all of the metropolitan statistical areas, so I, that's some um, 350 or so, but then we used our own criteria to come up with our list. Okay, so what exactly about Durham got it this prestigious award? Okay, well, first of all, for all of the groups we considered employment growth, talent, and that includes educational level of the population, their tech savviness, and and also the cost of living. So those were some of the features that we used to sort the list just generally. Then in terms of the specific to this category, we considered the job market, the high-paying jobs, affordable real estate, and education, and again, tech savviness. Okay, so so for students straight out of college, would Durham be a place to go to look for a job? Absolutely, and they wouldn't have to go far if they were already in one of the colleges in the research triangle. There's already a lot of young people in Durham because there's some great schools in the area, and especially, of course, Duke. But, yes, there's plenty of activity in terms of the job market there. The Research Triangle Park is the biggest high-tech research and science park in North America. It has over 50,000 employees just in the Research Triangle. And it also attracts other companies, including pharmaceutical, biotech, and telecommunications companies. And it has a lot of startups. So there's just a lot going on in Durham, and it's a great place to make your career. I'm a student at NC State, and I didn't even know that. So I think that will come as a surprise to a lot of people. <laughs> okay. Well, good to know. <laughs> Read the magazine, and you'll find out. Oh, very cool. So if you don't want me asking, what city was number one? Number one for this category was Washington, D.C., which, again, it has a really diverse economy, a lot of jobs, and not just government jobs. It has plenty of other jobs, too. So D.C. is a great place for young people as well, or young professionals and mid-career professionals. Mm -hmm. And would you recommend your magazine for students that are just graduating? I would absolutely recommend the magazine, and our website is terrific, too. So please do check it out. It's a terrific resource. For the magazine, correct? That's correct. To the job of editing? Well, I've written for Kiplingers for quite some time, and I've been writing about uh, myriad subjects over the years. I also write about college financing. Best Cities is one of the fun features that we do because we do travel to some of the cities, and that's a lot of fun. We get to know a lot of different places, and it's a lot of fun. And they travel to Durham? 
I have not been to Durham. I've been to Raleigh, and I've been to North Carolina many times. I have not been to Durham, but having done the research for Durham, it's really an intriguing-sounding place I'd love to visit. That's about all I have for you today. Before you leave, do you have any sort of website for Kiplinger that you'd like to share? Well, you know, you can go on to the uh, Kiplinger.com and look at the best cities. It's a beautiful package, and we do have a tool that lets you choose the best city for your life stage. So I definitely think that people should go to our website and, and look around and see where they might like to live. Thank you so much. This has been Jane Clark with Kiplinger Magazine. And for Eye on the Triangle, this has been DeAndre Jones. The Dark Knight Rises opened not long ago to, to critical success, but with it came a tragedy still that can still be fought across the country. Jake thought it would be nice to visit a time when Batman wasn't quite so dark. Before Christian Bale, Michael Keaton, or George Clooney with his rubber nipple suit, it was Adam West. Adam West and Burt Ward, who together made up the dynamic duo, perhaps the greatest crime-fighting team the world has ever seen. I'm of course talking about the original Batman, the movie. Released in 1966, this was the first full-length feature film starring the Caped Crusader, based off of the Batman television series that ran in the mid-60s. The show and the movie have become iconic for their campiness, kitschy atmosphere, and absurd humor. But before becoming the pop culture icons we know them as today, it was just Batman and Robin running around Gotham City fighting the bad guys and saving the day. It's cheesy, and by today's standard, it seems pretty stupid when you watch it, but is it a bad movie? If you only look at things like the production value, the acting, and the dialogue, then yes, it is a bad movie, technically. But even in the 60s when it was made, it was supposed to be a silly, absurd interpretation of Batman. A Batman with gadgets like the Bat Shark repellent, and a Robin with increasingly absurd exclamations. Holy marathon! Holy heart failure! Holy costume party! Holy horseshoe! Holy Captain Nemo! I'm getting a ditch, Batman! And this cheesiness abounds, whether it's Batman and Robin rushing to the Batcopter on the Batsicle, or the -the over-the-top, so-serious-it's-funny dialogue that is rampant throughout the movie. The funniest lines are said so seriously, you can't help but wonder how many times they had to do the take before the actors could even say them with a straight face. What does a turkey do when he flies upside down? He gobbles up. Of course. One weighs six ounces, sits in a tree, and is very dangerous. A sparrow with a machine gun. Listen to these riddles. Tell me if you interpret them as I do. One, what has yellow skin and rights? A ballpoint banana. Right. Two, what people are always in a hurry? Russian people? Russians! Someone Russian is going to slip on a banana peel and break their neck. Which is, of course, the most logical explanation for such a riddle. And who else could come up with such a nefarious puzzle than the Riddler, who has teamed up with the Joker, the Penguin, and Catwoman in an evil ploy to take over the world? Fishy what happened to me on that ladder. You mean when there's a fish, there could be a penguin. But wait, it happened at sea. See? See for Catwoman. Yet, an exploding shark was pulling my leg. The Joker. It all adds up to a sinister riddle. Riddle-er. Riddler? That's right. And these villains are nothing like the villains of today. They're funny, they're over the top, and they come with all sorts of crazy plans to trap and unmask the Batman. 
But this was a different time when evil was evil and good was not something left to interpretation. One could almost call it a simpler time. There are no corrupt politicians, no crooked cops in the Gotham of the 1960s. It is interesting to note how closely the Batman works with law enforcement in this movie. There are no deep moral qualms about a vigilante's place in society like there are in the newer interpretations. There's only good and evil, and that's it. It's a much more watered-down view of the world and one that certainly carries its fair share of nostalgia. The movie is littered with little lessons usually taught to a naive Robin by his senior partner. Batman is a crime fighter, but ultimately it's a movie for kids. Everything from the Batcave to the costumes to the villains have a very vivid Saturday morning cartoon quality about them. Understatement does not exist in this movie. The dynamic duo are seen flying the Batcopter in broad daylight, then running through the streets of Gotham in those silly costumes. It would be unimaginable to see today's Batman do anything of the sort. But that's why it's such a great movie. Sure, it's cheesy and silly and childish, but it's cool. The gadgets are cool, the Batmobile is cool, Gotham is cool, the villains are cool. It's one of those so uncool, it's cool kind of things. Even at its most discreet, this movie just cannot help being over the top. Let's go. But inconspicuously. On the Triangle, I'm Jake Langlois. Lord knows downtime can be hard to come by, but call it shooters. Sometimes it's good to just relax and enjoy a program or two. Jay has some thoughts on a program he's particularly fond of. A TV show called America's Got Talent comes on NBC in which contestants compete for $1 million in a show in Las Vegas. Currently, the show is in season seven, and there's about two months left in the show. I like to quickly reflect on contestants from the last two years and who I think are the top contenders to win the show this season. First off, acts that usually win America's Got Talent or musicians. That's just the way it is. They win the heart of the audience more and are just more appealing. For instance, in season five, the winner was a musician named Michael Grimm. The runner-up was an opera singer named Jackie Ivanko. And last year in season six, the winner was a singer named Lendow Eugene Murphy Jr. And he was a Frank Sinatra impersonator. However, this season, I think it will not be a musician who wins the show. And frankly, the judges have also said the same thing on the show this season. One musician who I think does have a chance to go far in the show this year is musician William Close. Now, he is unique and different from any other musician who have you've seen or will ever see on this show or anywhere else. He has invented 50 of his own instruments, and the last time he was on the show, he played one of them called the Earth Harp, and it's this giant instrument, and the strings extend from the stage to the balcony, and the showmanship of his act is part of his act, and it's incredible to watch, and it makes him memorable and i think that's going to help him get far in the show this year and that is what is unique about the show you want something different and memorable and i think that will help him get far in the show this year another act that i think is good on the show this year that's different is joe castile he uses sand as a medium for storytelling and has music playing in the background to whatever silhouette it is that he's making now, this act is very unique and different from anyone else. He usually does an inspirational show, and they're all very fun to watch, and it's different. And it's something to me that I think you would go see in Vegas. This season on America's Got Talent, there are two comedians who are both very funny, very talented. 
and I think have a very good chance of going far on the show this year. First, I would like to talk about the young 23-year-old Jacob Williams. Now, he has dry humor in his act. He's very funny. The audience always reacts well to him. The judges enjoy his material. Personally, I like watching his act because his jokes are related to his age, and others that are close to 23 years old would really enjoy listening to him. A very, very funny comedian, and I think in the not-too-distant future, he's going to be a well-known comedian, and I think he's on the way to achieving that. A lot of my friends are using Twitter now. I don't know how to use it, so instead I just carry around a megaphone and announce what I'm doing at random times. I'm just like, yeah, I'm in the library, just letting you know. Great, I got like three new followers the other day. That's good. (laughs) Two of them were cops. The other comedian who I think has a good chance of winning the show this year is Tom Cotter. He has been doing comedy for about 20 years, has for some reason been under the radar. Now, he's been on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno before, but he has just not broken the ice yet to becoming a star. However, I think he will soon after this show. Now, his comedy style is a rapid-fire style. He will come out with joke after joke. They're all very witty. I'm always laughing at his jokes. The judges always give him high praise. The audience always reacts well, and the judges believe he has a very good chance of winning the show this year and i think they are right i think what gives him an advantage is that he has tons of material he's very furbished knows how to deliver a joke knows how to get a laugh out of the audience and has a very good chance of going far morning of my 16th birthday my whole family tried to surprise me with a car but they missed Every Saturday morning in our neighborhood, we would have this huge water balloon fight. And every Friday night, I'd put mine in the freezer, so I'd win. After that, all the mothers in the neighborhood would take turns spanking me. It was awesome. Another good act who I think has a very good chance of winning the show this year are two brothers called the Scott Brothers. Now, they're dance performers who have been performing for 26 years, and they aren't what you would usually think of a dance group. They use precision choreography and humor in their act, and their moves are much like those that you would see in an 80s-based dance group. However, they are different because they make their moves their own in the way that they perform them, and they describe their style as, quote, a cartoon-style popping, and that's exactly what it is. For instance, on their last Last act, the Scott brothers had a move where they walked in a circle around hats they had while holding it in their hands, and they would twirl around with their fingers, and they would move around the hat so it looked like the hats didn't move, and that was incredible to see. I've never seen anything as fun to watch as that. Another move I like that they do is a shoulder or head rotation they call, quote, the root rooter, and it was started by one of the brothers, Rob, in 1988, and it was a move you think they would have taken from the 80s but they invented it and made it their own and I think the Scott brothers have a good chance of winning the show this year because they are memorable, unique and original and I think they set themselves apart from any act on the show right now and if you have not seen them I would recommend to look them up and watch them because they are very entertaining. This show in my opinion is wonderful. I like seeing all the different acts that come on the show and seeing new authentic ideas that haven't been seen before and every summer i look forward to seeing america's got talent for those reasons can't wait to see how it finishes out this season brian the triangle i'm jay tomlin interesting so now deandre i understand that there are some holidays we should be celebrating this week what can you tell us about that there are indeed unfortunately dave isn't here to uh, to share this with us but um today it's me so 
Yesterday was National Cheesecake Day. So, although it has passed, I hope you guys had some really good cheesecake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yesterday was also Father-in-Law Day. That'd be good if I had a father-in-law. Yeah, I think it's really funny that they made like an obligatory holiday for people that like no one likes, <laughs> like father-in-laws. Well, that's not fair to all father-in-laws. Oh. <laughs> I guess. All right, so today, something you can actually celebrate is Mutt's Day. So if you have a dog that's a mutt, uh, I guess care for it more. Well, you should hug. do that anyway. Yeah, but yeah, dogs like hugs, right? Yeah, dogs that. like hugs, but only hug it if it's a mud, nothing else. Well, some, <laughs> some dogs don't like stick your face in their face because they'll bite it off. All right, tomorrow Wednesday is National Raspberry Cream Pie Day. I don't know what's the deal with pastries this week. But is, there, is there like a key lime pie day too? Is there like lemon meringue pie day? Uh, I can't really share that with you. I'm only doing this week's holidays. Oh, well, excuse me. <laughs> there, there probably is some somewhere. I'm going to guess in October. Oh, yeah, that's a really particular thing. It's not, even like a, it's not even like a pastry day or cheesecake day. It's like a raspberry cream pie day. Yeah, which I've never had. But anyways, <laughs> Thursday, we have National Ice Cream Sandwich Day. I could go for an ice cream sandwich. Absolutely. I can always go for an ice cream well, sandwich. Well, especially with how hot it's been lately. It's just been, it's been brutal. Yeah. Katie shared that with us. Uh... Friday, we have National Watermelon Day. Probably my favorite of this week. I like watermelon. I do, too. All right, also, on Saturday, we have National Mustard Day. I'm sorry, not a fan <laughs> of mustard. No, ketchup ketchup's the way to go. Ketchup is awful. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm whoa, just, whoa, whoa. Slow down, crazy. <laughs> Slow down. Ketchup not, is American. Yeah. Mustard is like French or something. Exactly, and they're third in the Olympics. Exactly. So, we should, but, we should support them. They're, under, they're the underdog. <laughs> also, it is a U.S. Coast Guard Day. That's always something on Saturday. to celebrate, I guess. They're so, important. Yeah, I mean, nothing funny to say about that. Uh, Sunday, we have <laughs> Friendship Day. Who doesn't like friendship? Come on. So, appreciate your friends if you're mean to them, like Kenny. Whoa. <laughs> Again, slow down crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, appreciate your friends. Also, Sunday is International Forgiveness Day. So Which I'll be sharing none. <laughs> if you're holding some grudges, please let them go on Sunday. Uh, Sunday, there's a lot of holidays on Sunday, guys. Sunday is also Sisters Day. Sister Day, Friendship Day, Forgiveness Day. Like, what yeah, is this? This is a theme, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and... Last but not least, and I, which I think is sort of ironic, Saturday is also work like a dog day. How does that I'll make bet. sense? <laughs> Sunday <laughs> is, a, is work like a dog day. Who's working like a dog on Sunday? <laughs> I bet it ain't me. I mean, to share your love with all your friends and your sisters, you know, share forgiveness with everybody. Like, that's yeah. a lot oh, of work. That, you, that's probably why they did it. You got to work to show all that forgiveness and, and, that, and that friendship. But um, that's all we got. Wow. Well, thanks a lot, DeAndre. And if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that made you think, uh, just let us know on our Facebook page. You can also follow us on Twitter at WKNC underscore EOT. Also, be sure to check out our blog at WKNC.org. That's all we've got for you tonight. We thank you all for tuning in. And don't forget, we're not broadcasting every other week, so we will see you on the 14th of August. Until then. Good night.